I'm getting, I'm getting freaking punked right now on exiting through the 2010. I know, I know. There's a camera right there. We are employed by surveillance. We are employed. We're actually employed by MTV, and we're getting our checks in the mail. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. Anyways. (laughs) Okay. Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me, getting in my rickshaw, it's Clay Williams. Hop on. How much do those things fucking weigh? Because I'm just like, it's one of those things where I'm like, obviously people actually do that. And you don't have to be, you know, an Olympian athlete. But it still looks so hard. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we should, you know, the logistics of rickshaws shouldn't be what we're here for that's for another pod it's just like they're cool i would like to try one out my spinoff podcast is rickshaw physics so that's look out for that i'd prefer to go on that one actually because all my notes are about the rickshaw so i don't know i i think oh yeah okay well jack you might just want to leave the leave the zoom and we can just start (laughs) recording our episode um oh he's actually physically leaving the room that doesn't really help because it's like you have to leave the zoom my question is, he says he pays his rent with that. We're so off track already. But he says he pays his rent. How much does a rickshaw ride cost? That is a great But it's neither question. here nor there. Continue. Sorry. I just got a drink. That's all. Um, <laughs> no, I do love that he can pay his rent with that. It's so cool. Toronto seems like a magical place. And <laughs> that a rickshaw artist, a copywriter, and a chicken cooking cook writer sounds like a mad libs <laughs> professions that actually work out i love the professions is that and- what the canadians are doing up there because that's that that might be it like that could be like a whole functioning economy that i'm not you know i'm not privy to but because <laughs> you know i, I know. i'm actually from toronto and i can confirm that that's exactly oh, what we do. okay so i shouldn't i was gonna clown Canucks for the entire podcast, so I I, I shouldn't do that now. Um, I figured it's in are. our nature. It's in our nature to let you guys do it, and then we mm-hmm. talk shit in private after. So go for okay, it. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Just know anything you say can and will be used against you. So well, it's funny because be- Canadian talks. I believe this episode is coming out not too far away from um, Scott Pilgrim and Phyllis. Go took us on such a interesting. Tour We're having too many of you Toronto. guys on. Too many. <laughs> Not enough. You people, <laughs> you know, uh, some enthusiasts are Bryden, you two, just like it's like a lot of Canucks. But I, what I was gonna say is like they're such different homages to Toronto and mm-hmm. such interesting depictions because that one is such a chilly, you know, it's such a chillier set depiction. This is just like mm-hmm. the, the there. It's either sunset or sunrise. It's such a warm looking movie i i love the way this movie looks um Me too. And, and also it's like the homages just like how phil said it's like it's just like it's citizens where it's like it's kind of hidden like it doesn't want to express itself that much i have no toronto takes i've never been seems like a lovely <laughs> place i've heard great things um but i just I've, don't like canadians no i'm joking <laughs> i wish i had a more updated take but i've been to montreal at a time when um our family thought that it was going to be a ski trip but it was below 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 freezing and we were like Mm. let's not do that and 
we did not end up skiing, even though we would all be miserable. Were you part of the separatist movement? That was, was like that five years. There? Oh, yes. no, okay. That was my cover story. I knew it. Yeah. yeah. It sounded really yeah. natural. I would have never noticed. <laughs> I know it was, it was flowing like a script and not me trying to remember what happened. Mm-hmm. You do have heavy, I've been to Canada once for a ski trip vibes. So that's, But then it was too cold sense. and we didn't ski vibes. Yeah, yes. all, all of that checks out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All yeah, of yeah, that yeah. checks out. I need to go in like June, but then I'm like, oh, it's too hot. And I just, <laughs> but it's it's like the Irish where it's like. Uh, I live so close to Canada. Why do I, I've only been like once and it was like for a random cruise and it was like some like random West, uh, West Coast mm. city. I live in Portland, yeah. Oregon. Like, I feel like I should go by now. Like, it's you should go to close. TIFF. Right. God. Yeah. Well, yeah. if anyone wants to give me money mm-hmm. for that, I would gladly go to TIFF. <laughs> I couldn't give you any, like, service in, you know, service in response to that income, but I can just be there. And I feel like that would be important yeah. for everyone. Yeah, so. that's true. You don't have, like, a publication to... No, I don't write. No, I don't, I don't no. think I'm going to really do any podcast episodes on it. I would just, yeah, like, be right, there right. and, like, hang out with people and watch movies. And if you think and if you that's, could do that for that's free, valuable enough... Yeah. Right, right. and if you think that's valuable enough for, you know, giving me income for such a fee, I would gladly accept. Mm-hmm. You know, I was actually listening to Friends of the Show, Can I Kick It pod, when they were talking about this movie in relation to a preview of TIFF movies from last year. And when Shelly Williams told the cab driver her address, they were saying, oh, wait a minute. She lives, she can just walk to TIFF. Like she lives very close. And it's like the fact that Sarah Polly like geographically is so, you know, in line with, it's, it's very fun. Um, Sounds like a blast. It sounds like a blast. Just like exciting Um, adventures galore. It really does. Toronto sounds lovely. Would love to visit. Um, take this waltz we have with us today. And with us, it's Veronica Phillips. Hello. Hi. Hello. Happy to be here. I say that at the beginning of every podcast is the same way. I just realized that now. But I am happy to be here. Hi. Really? And are you, are you happy to be here? You can be I'm, honest. I'm <laughs> beyond oh, that's my happy. Dog. I'm just like, delighted. You can shed right, that's whatever my kind of like facade this is if you're not having to be here you can just you know this is like an open space no but um <laughs> a tears are this, down my face I'm like no I love yeah. it <laughs> you know what you're right I'm I'm actually miserable to, to be here um and yeah today we have this take this waltz I think it's and it's like pretty well timed with women talking out right now and um also the families I suppose yeah. like uh yeah, mm-hmm. uh Another, you know, in fact, like Sarah probably made that tweet where it's like, Steve, give me my <laughs> my crew back. Yeah, that's, that's yes, right. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. get my that, cast yeah. back. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. I just thought of that. That's crazy. Whoa, yeah, I didn't think fine? of that. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that nuts? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, let's let's get into what we've been watching recently before women uh, take the swaltz proper. Go before we take the swaltz yeah yeah yeah. yeah, before we take yeah the letter code Uh, song yeah 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 yeah. uh four movies uh i've seen uh a quick raven i I got onto this western kick after i watched um outlaw josie wales and great silence uh Mm. not so long ago Mm -hmm. so i watched ravenous which is not necessarily a western i mean it kind of is um it's more of like you know like post-civil war western expansion kind of like you know like army vibes i don't know how else to say it um 
cannibal movie didn't really know much about it just was on the watch list guy pierce robert carlisle good weird fucking bizarre uh has a lot going for it um cannibalism is uh seems pretty gnarly that's my take mm. um right. hang him high i think it's normal class. and chill personally oh, okay cool i, I, I pre- personally it. approve of it and want it romanticized more yeah so Monica and I are pro cannibalism. I'm here. Yeah. You hear that, Timothy you heard it Chalamet? On the pod. Right. Timothy Chalamet. I'm not scared of you. So um, <laughs> neither is Taylor can, Russell. I don't think. Yeah. Can anyone possibly be scared of Timothy Chalamet? Is there a world so. where you could be scared of him? Yeah, I think some people might not be attracted to him, but um, uh, fearful of him, probably not. Well, well, isn't Austin Butler going to play like? Paul's nemesis in Dune 2 or like a f- opposing force I guess like yes, he's gonna yeah, have to be the two the softest boys or, <laughs> I just butchered that yeah. cut me trying to say that I've read the book a million times so cut me trying to say that name we're just yeah. super just not a, gonna cut that it. by the way we're never gonna sensor. cut that that was awesome big... no we're gonna leave it we're gonna leave it in uh, um, Austin Butler playing I guess, I guess it's scary when he's like freaking out and he like sees an entire world on fire and him like committing genocide or whatever in the first June. I think that's kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. That might, I might be fearful of him doing that. Um, so that's but that's all I got. Uh, Hang him high, classic. Uh, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood Western. He did not mm-hmm. direct it. Bit too long. Kind of peters out at the end, but has this great line of him like. So he is wrongly hanged survives and so he has this gnarly mark on his neck it's a great premise and he goes up to one of the people who hung him and he's like i don't remember you and he's like well when you hang a man remember to look at him and like takes off his handkerchief and like sees that mark and the dude just freaks out great scene um then after that i was still in a western mood and i watched the original 1966 django um the same guy who directed the great silence uh spaghetti western galore I was trying to find the Italian like language and the English subtitles could not find it anywhere. So I had the English dub, which is not great, but it's fine. Gnarly ass movie, crazy ending, um, but just super like simple. It's like very much if you someone asks you, Clay, what's the spaghetti Western? Watch this movie and you get it. That's it. Like it, it, Mm. it, it's distilled Mm. to it's like. It's sort of like, like if you look up in a dictionary, like that, you'll it's, find Django. You'll see the picture, yeah. right? Yeah, and Franco Nero is supposed to be very good as the lead. Like that's what I've heard. He heard about. is such a striking. It was actually interesting watching a watching a Eastwood and a Nero movie back to back. It's just like people, movie stars, and especially men, used to be much more striking. Mm. You mo- they used to be. You look at them and you're like, oh shit, okay, let me uh, compose myself. Well, wasn't it like when we had Carly and Aaron on for the counselor? Wasn't it? That yeah, we talked we, about faces. we talked about they had Smolder. That was what our, our Smolder's a great. Yeah, and they have yeah, defined yeah. edges. And I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but just like defined jaw lines that also, but that right. don't look created in a lab. They look like I, people, but like the most interesting people. I believe. Oh man, I think it was David Sims said on an episode of Blank Check that Ed Harris has a mountain face. I can't <laughs> stop thinking of, like, <laughs> um, especially like like it doesn't matter if that if if it's Ed Harris in like any decade. It's just like of that build. Like you can sort of there's like interesting wrinkles and like 
faces used to have like like faces used to have presence and like draw the eye in a room and now it's just like oh they're all just the same models exactly and like this is like a comparison that's like in this era but i know um schrader cast ethan hawk in first reform because of the way that his face was aging that he was like developing Mm. interesting wrinkles right but yeah older hawk has that vibe that like who who's this guy um yeah ethan still looks hot that's all that matters it's true yeah but no franco nero is a beautiful man beautiful Mm -hmm. man just like like a greek statue of a man like you could easily see him um, and he still has it, by the way. I mean, hearing him, you know, like you see him in John Wick uh, 2, I think, and uh, the Tarantino's Django. I mean, he's he's still got it. He's still got it. That's it. That's all I've seen. Yeah. I have, I have N- NBA All-Star activities. That's it. <laughs> Shout out to um, Mac McClung, that- Virginia legend. Shout out. Good for you to winning the dunk contest. Appreciate you. I that's think it. that's nominated for best picture this year, the All Star Game. Dude, I mean, that's what I heard. Fucking those what, dunks, yeah. bro. Oh, just it. Yeah, six two Tennessee. You know Tennessee white. They even boy. got a he sag to, bomb. That was surprising. I know he went. He yeah. went to George. You know, went to Georgetown for a little bit. You know, went to a you know Virginia high school. So I'm happy for the kid. Yeah. Um, Bronco, I definitely know how to respond to that. Uh, would you like to go yeah. next or um... sure yeah. Yeah. okay cool yeah. BAFTA winning NBA all-stars game <laughs> no. um, I have been okay so I was on a podcast last week Ooh. and I said I had just gone and seen After Sun again and I can mm. say the same thing this week I just saw I just watched After Sun again um, yes. <laughs> we're on watch number I think six or so seven good. of that one whoa what the fuck yeah it's so good yeah. do you like rewatch movies a lot because that's I don't Occasionally I do and I have my comfort watches. Uh very yeah. rarely does something so new like break the right mold exactly. Like this. Yeah. Something is happening within <laughs> me that I don't understand. Uh, it's fine. I just go, I sob for the last 10 minutes and then I leave. It's like way cheaper therapy. It's fine. No, it's literally. Fine. Yeah. It's like the price it's of fine. a movie ticket. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. fine. Whatever is happening yeah. there, I'll it'll sort itself out eventually. Yeah. Um in the same vein, in a way, I just rewatched the normal people series. Ooh. um because paul has a grasp on you that is <sighs> i wish leave that out <laughs> <laughs> again we're not cutting that that's too, like you, you keep saying great things you th- and you're like you, cut it know, out. seriously like, cut like you're out. dropping like these too- like on time edits and like <laughs> um i just uh yeah he's sexy um yeah. That's my big take. I just watched Saint Omer Omer for the mm, first time. Yes, Incredible. Yes, yes. So great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watched all three Magic Mics because I feel like a lot of people were doing that this last week. Mm-hmm. Nice. So those are, those are my big watches. Oh, and yeah. I've been watching Modern Family again. But I don't know what's oh, going on. Oh, fun. What just watches this? Um, not like, I guess the second time I just kind of turned it on or my sister turns it on in the background and we watch it. I, I watched it like all the way through, I think when I was younger, but it's not an official rewatch it's on and off got it yeah that's how i am with arrested development that i'll just like have done if i don't want to like pay attention if like during dinner i'll just like put like that's like a background i never do that um yeah i was i was actually thinking about it recently because i only re i like or like i try to you know you know it's like not too strict but i try to keep rewatching to like 
the pod or like if I'm writing about something or if I'm showing friends something like yeah it has to be like a showing purpose. friends showing friends is a big one that's, that's like almost primarily only when i rewatch movies yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's such a good way of functioning i i wish i'm not too like i'm usually the same i end up showing yeah. the, the problem is i end up showing like five different people within a week so then suddenly every day my movie yeah. is whatever movie like chloe akuno's watcher i was like mm-hmm. now you have to watch it now you have to like i was yeah, just, like yeah, force yeah. feeding it to people um and so that one was like coincidentally i ended up watching a bunch because it just was like a good pick um, yeah. for movie nights you know but I don't usually have one where it's like, I'm going to go see After Sun again alone at the movie theater. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Like, that's yeah. crazy. So, it's like yeah. there's a glitch. There's a glitch with After Sun. Yeah, something's going on. Right. Something's <laughs> going on there. No, I love that. Because, um, yeah, like, um, part of the pod, Kalamato, like, told me that, like, Tar and uh, The Souvenir Part 2 are, like, the mm-hmm. only new releases of their years that he was, like, I need to, like, go for a second dip like mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. theaters like tomorrow I need to like make my day around those two and that's interesting too where it's like well there's, there's like one a year you know there's something on movie yeah that like feels like a theater watch not necessarily because it's a spectacle but because it just like it just like absorbs your immersion you, yeah. you know yeah. like it requests that you uh-huh. sit with it like really patiently um and I am like patient at home too but there's just something about a theater watch I just I love I know. it I'm a staunch yeah. defender of the theater watch yeah no same and it's yeah especially with after sun like I'm I was I was really happy that I made time for for that um and and I didn't wait for it because it just like really like there it could be like a crowded theater and you you would think you're the only one watching it like it's like it's a magic trick of a movie personal and intimate it's crazy yeah 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 it's fucking crazy um for me I just finished this just last night um it's the television series on home box office maximum called industry um okay. very very home good um <laughs> I, box was, office I, know, I, I know i thought that was funny um not everything i say is funny which you know bear with um uh... <laughs> yeah the show makes me feel so dumb and so like whip smart intelligent at the same time i don't yeah. know how those that don't know it's following the lives of several young um bank investors in london and it's just like sort of following the business but more importantly following the relationships towards each other um and like its central focus is the relationship between eric lau played by ken leong or miles from lost for those who are familiar um and then there's harper who's his protege played by malala Harolds, who was in bodies from last year and it's like their Wait. dynamic is so interesting bodies you mean what what bodies, bodies or bodies, like bodies bodies bodies, bodies. Okay, yeah that okay. one i just forgot to say you gotta say multiple was, i don't know what else you're talking well, no, about no, i know like, i forgot i'm just rambling here and now like body you know i cut it out there um yeah and and the show is like very interesting when it's like focused on their dynamic like I I even like season two better than season one because like it um wraps in COVID and in in an interesting way that Mm -hmm. I haven't quite seen before especially like with Mm -hmm. the high-end industry of um tech and investors and uh uh Jay Duplass plays a billionaire who's sort of like an elusive figure that's then 
um, that that uh, enters into uh, the uh, the company that they all work for called PurePoint. It's I'm I feel like so lost, but the characters are very well like developed. That's like that side of it can can keep you hooked, even if like the business side is is sort of like background noise. Like it's sort of Mad Men in that way, but it's nothing like Mad. I was told I was sold in the show that it's like Succession meets Euphoria, which wouldn't be like a combo that you would think is possible. And I think it's much more true to the first season than it is the second. Um, but it's only because like it's very business businessy with like comedy with like this dark comedy undertone and it's like very dramatic but also like there's a lot of like sex and drugs like wrapped into all this right right my two favorite food groups yeah (laughs) yeah famously euphoria and succession were the only people the only artwork to ever (laughs) use sex and drugs and business so i know know, they were the first we (laughs) they were the first yeah yeah in all 100 years it was a very correct they uh, finally bravely went where no one went before does anyone in industry business. say fuck off? Is that is that maybe Yeah. Yes. The No way. So it I is mean, like, like But I wouldn't I wouldn't say there was like a, there's no like family unit. Just I would recommend, you know, yeah. show's very good. Yeah. And now let's get into how Franica got into movies. Is there anything okay. that you can think of? Uh I was so I grew up in a filmmaking family. So my dad makes movies. Uh, so we were raised on a lot of movies. Um, so he was really good about kind of giving us a cinematic education pretty early on. Um, in terms of like formative watches for me, I would say that E.T. had a hold on me like at a toddler age with like a certain intensity. I've always really liked an earnest film um, and I'm Spielberg's biggest defender. Um, which is crazy that he even needs defending now. He's my best friend. I don't know. I don't know how people can be with him. But I just saw do. War of the Worlds for the first time. What a oh, fucking I haven't movie. seen that one. It's fucking great. Oh, but you gotta he's watch it. He's the best. Fucking, so yeah, yeah. I loved ET as a kid, and I don't remember this. I was like three, but I had like a whole ET themed birthday party and everything. I was mm. like really ET focused, and I had like a little doll that I used to like have to hide. My friends came over because he freaked them out. Um, so I would say that was like my catalyst. Uh, Were your friends her, confused like, about your ET love since it's like like a, there's a yeah. big generation gap but yeah well I think they were just scared of him <laughs> so so I think right. more it was that it was like that's such an off-putting thing to be really into um I don't really remember that much about that era um and then outside of that uh no I would say that was that's like what I think of when I think of my lore I've always just been a heavy movie watcher I've always watched a lot of stuff uh, and then I got even more into it in high school on a more like cinephile level um and then I went to school for cinema studies, so it's been kind of set in stone for a while. I don't have we ever had a kid of a filmmaker on the pod before, Jack? Uh, I can't think I mean, of we, one. Um, there there could be somebody that we just don't know. They they like they just don't bring it up. <laughs> oh, that's, that's yeah. true. Because even know. now, if my dad listens to this, he's going to be like cringing over the fact that. Um, <laughs> He's like he's like shy. I don't know. He's gonna be like, oh, okay. Are there movies I mean, that your dad instilled in you that mm. were it's like, wow, I can't. I mean, or was ET one of those? ET was one of them. Um, but uh, so big ones along the way were another Spielberg, Indiana Jones was a huge one mm. for me as as a Heard young man. Uh, Raiders. And then uh, yeah, 
Uh, and then he had kind of a little, it's very cute, but he had like a little short list for when I was kind of old enough for a little bit more challenging stuff. That is like once I was like fucking 14. beautiful. Isn't yeah. that so great? So at 14, yeah, like a big, big like oh 10. Gosh. So that that was like a really pivotal few months where like firing through them. And that would have been like um, Train Spotting, Rushmore, The Big Lebowski, Pulp Fiction. Um, oh, what else was in that kind of era? That kind of stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once he kind of late nineties my... cinema is there. Late nineties. Well, I know. I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah that's. Uh, and then vibe. once I ca- he kind of figured out what my taste really was from there. He would kind of recommend me stuff uh, like in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had this really good taste. And now I mostly consume like I I consume still challenging stuff, but I have a huge slice of my life is dedicated to really trashy shit. So it mm-hmm. shows that no matter how hard you try with your kid, they're gonna end up like loving jackass more than anything or something like that. When did you when yeah. when when exactly did you start exploring your like for yourself? When did you start kind of looking for films by yourself rather without mm-hmm. your dad's input? Without my dad's input, yeah. Um before then, I mean I had like plenty of stuff I liked that he didn't. Um but I would say like when I was like really developing an actual taste that was like searching for my challenging stuff I had like really bad insomnia uh like the last few years of high school so I would just like chug through movies until I fell asleep and I found then was kind of when I started developing a taste that wasn't just like what was at the movie theaters or what a friend had recommended or what my dad had recommended um uh and again it wasn't very exciting I was still 16 so still 16 year old stuff um but that was when I I kind of felt like my taste was developing a little bit and then once I got into like college I got to watch a shit ton of movies which was great um but um kind of in like my later university years was when I got into more kind of like trashy stuff like that's when like my John Waters obsession really kicked in and then <laughs> mm. I, uh, that kind of stuff was was kind of late like a late bloomer on that mm-hmm. yeah same um like prestige trash like I remember late high like oh, late high school well, he- was um like harmony Korean and it's mm-hmm. like that's that's something where it's like I just didn't know movies can make me feel that way it's like oh man mm-hmm. I will say I have that even with um the beach bum which I watched kind of late that movie like changed my life I love that movie that movie's great movie I love that movie it's a movie you could smell and it's like that's just <laughs> oh, yes. a very high compliment yeah um yeah I would where's say that same. list and- <laughs> list of movies you can smell that, that would, would be that would fucking rock actually that sounds so good um well i mean john, john water that, Jack. john water you have trying to, to like that. invent or like smell vision on the smell vision uh with yeah. um like pink polyester like polyester yes yes i got i just got his polyester criterion and it has one of the smell cards i haven't used it yet but i'm like really excited oh no way it. oh that's so funny mm-hmm. um okay the niche Okay, I'm curious about this because this was it. This was my like mm. gold mine of new discoveries in, in my first year of college. Mm. I used to like love my college's library. Their DVD oh, yeah. section was like full of yeah, things same. that was like, whoa, wait, this isn't like streaming anywhere that I have, but like they have like like Rainer Warner Fassbender movies or whatever it was yes. that did you abuse that too yeah yes I did I mine was called the media commons at University oh, of cool. Toronto shout out nice. yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, I used to rent stuff from there all the time like I would always be I would be reading like the readings for class and be like this isn't even like 
it's a movie mentioned in passing that we're not even watching, but like, I need to know what it is. Like as part of the, like, I just would get so obsessive about it. Um, I'm trying to think of like my exciting picks I got from there. Uh, Man Bites Dog was like a big one for me oh, that cool. I got there yeah. that I felt like I didn't know. Uh, I was introduced to Michael Haneke there. So Funny Games was a was yeah. a Media Commons pick that I was so excited about. Um, I'm trying to remember what like the last few things. A lot of Canadian stuff that you couldn't have gotten mm -hmm. otherwise. Uh, hardcore logo. Uh, yeah. Stop. Stop. <laughs> no, no, no. You're please, scare please. please. <laughs> Anyone Canadian, Canadian listening to this? Canadian directors listen to no, these this. things because they have nothing else to do. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> we're just patiently waiting until we're mentioned. No, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I loved. I loved that little like portion of the library and stuff. Yeah, that was so fun. Same. Same. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. It, it's just. And uh, yeah, I think we had we had a room similar, but it's like, you know, you don't want anyone to like, it was like a public room and it's like, oh man, I don't want to like abuse this for too long. It's like, I would heart, I was just like use that at night, but I would never use the day in case like I was oh. taking everyone's time. Did you have to watch the movies there? Yeah. Oh, we got to take or, ours home like Blockbuster. Yeah. I mean, if oh. it was like an ancient thing, you couldn't do that. But if it was mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. run of the mill, yeah. I remember when my niece, was a newborn I'd babysit her and sometimes she'd cry like babies do nine times out of ten I could solve the problem I could figure it out but sometimes I, I don't know sometimes I'm walking along the street and a shaft of sunlight falls in a certain way across the pavement and I just want to cry and then a second later it's over and I decide because I'm an adult to not succumb to the momentary melancholy and I thought that sometimes with Tony. She just had a moment like that, a moment of not knowing how or why and she just let herself go into it. And there was nothing anyone could do to make it any better, it was just her. And the fact of being alive, colliding. If I could I saw Take This Waltz in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, I, in my first ever, um, my first ever class ever at University of Toronto was um, films uh, set, like films set in and made in Toronto. It was called Toronto on Film. Um, and it was taught by Adam Naiman, if you know that critic, 
I think um, I, I've heard of this name. Yes. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm uh, sure you have. I, he is you know, in your Twitter circles. I'm sure. Yes. Like he is like, I, he's, you not know, the literal re- circle, yeah, but the, yeah. the social circle. I guess um, to reveal like a, a dream guest of mine, but it's a. Really? So, yeah. Maybe someday. Yeah. 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 He's, <laughs> I, love, he's yeah. I, I read him all coolest. the time. Yeah. 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 He's the best. He's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so sweet. So, uh, he taught my first ever class and my last ever class, which is so cool. Mm. Um, the odds of that. Um, so I was in that class, uh, we were doing Toronto on film and take this waltz was not on the syllabus, but he kind of was talking about it one day in relation to something else. Um, and then I was like, I want to watch that. So I went home Mm. and I watched it. And then a bunch of people in my class coincidentally went home that night and watched it. I guess he just pitched it really well. I have no Mm. idea why. So everyone was like randomly really into take this waltz briefly in that classroom uh so that's when I first watched it and I haven't watched it since then until uh this week when we were getting ready to do this podcast huh. uh, but yeah so 2012 so you saw wait so you saw it in 2012 you said mm-hmm. yeah what so that's so interesting to me because it would think that oh no so it's just... 2016 2016 2016 sorry okay sorry. yeah so much later so much later I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you were like okay, are okay. you 40 no I- <laughs> right I didn't want to I didn't want to ask I, that. Um, I'm like doing the math in my head like yeah 2016 in 20 I was, it came out yeah, in 2011 you were, like, you were like you look like a baby I know <laughs> yeah. we tell same year yeah no wait <laughs> so, 2016 2016 2016 but even still that what what made it stick with you? Because that's like, to I mean, be able to pick- with, he has a way with her with words, you know, and like he does have a way with nothing. words. But to have it, what, how long, seven years? I, yeah, seven years later, and this was yeah. a pick for, like, out of the entire decade, this was like, yeah, let's do this. What, 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 and you haven't rewatched it since. What, what's its connect? Why do you think you're, you're connected so well with it? Oh, um, you know, I am like a really, so I would say probably my taste wasn't that expansive at the time. Um, so it felt really new to me. Um, and I just adore, and I know this now and I didn't know this then, uh, but I I just adore, adore movies with, um, weird off-putting woman, uh, and the woman in this is, but like the woman in this is so weird and so off-putting and a bit of what my, uh, in my group chat, we say this lovingly, it's like the best thing you can be, but like a girl pervert, uh, like, like just like really entrenched in her femininity and her womanhood, but she's like pretty wonky uh with her expression of desire um and even like a little bit harmful with it ultimately um and I just hadn't ever seen anything like it and Mm. I hadn't um I had just moved back to Toronto after living in California for my entire like adolescence um and most of my childhood and I hadn't really seen Toronto portrayed the way it was portrayed and I just found it to be like a very comforting isn't the right word it, it is in the sense though like it was a movie about kind of like blowing up your life and being very like uh desire driven uh that isn't necessarily um it's not necessarily a catastrophe and it's not necessarily that you'll never recover from but you also don't right. get that closure like it just lets right. everything kind of sit there in that space mm-hmm. um And I just remember being really moved by it. And I was like 18 and I was trying to figure kind of myself out. Um, And uh, Michelle Williams character, whose name I always forget. Margot. 
Margot, thank you, uh, didn't have figured out at all. And she was much older than me. And I, I just like, I felt a lot of like affection for her. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just really impacted me. Yeah. And I think 18 is a, it's, it's a fantastic spot in anyone's life to discover this one as it shows mm. how complicated adults are. Shows how fucked you are, how you're 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 destined to a life of uh, basically never being satisfied with where you are. Yeah, that's a it's a possibility to not know. That's fine, and you know, it's just it's like this this idea of like you know, it's like that uh, Geraldine at the end says what's what the movies is really about. Where it's like there are gaps that are not going to be filled, um, and there's a maturity and like a self acceptance that comes with that that I think is very beautiful that even though mm-hmm. like there that Margot does ultimately side with Daniel like Lou is not it, Lou is never for me of course like he's like emotionally absent maybe but then he's like yeah. he's not the bad guy he's just no sort of, no but, but she's also just internally unhappy and it's just I I love the the way that that nuance is communicated um, real fast, if I can, I will make this brief that this is myself and Clay's first time seeing it. Um, very different reactions. Um, but this is also one of my mom's favorite movies. And my mom had always said that this had played like a book. And that's all mm-hmm. that I had like, ever heard about it. That it plays novelistic, where it's like you have this central character and torn bes- between two two paths where she can take this new relationship or continue an old one I think I don't know that there was something that spoke to my mom like I'd always seen my mom watching this like there was like you know I think I remember the shots of like the ending of like them on the 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 porch in their house or like mm-hmm. I remember the pool scene or like I remember like asking my mom like if I can watch that with you and she's like yeah it's a little adult like you know it's like hey let's like wait on it you wouldn't really appreciate it um and then I, yeah, and then seeing it this week, really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I, I and I, I've only seen women talking, but I, I'm curious to see stories we tell and away from her. And I, and I think I liked this more than uh, women talking. Well, it's because you don't like women talking. That's, that's, <laughs> your, that's your big thing. You just, you can't, you're like a horrible misogynist. Like that's, that's, that's one thing people know about you. I told you not to say that on like that's fair yeah sorry my bad yeah yeah it's weird because they said it a bunch before too so they're really (laughs) trying to just drive that home (laughs) it's like can you be a little bit more discreet they were like we got to put this on and off record which i thought was a lot but you know that's like extra steps yeah 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 um i don't know yeah i don't really have like i saw this uh i i watched i watched the film yesterday i don't have much experience with sarah polly um we'll get into it but man i hated it for the first half for the first half i like despised it um and and it's not because of the quality of like the writing the filmmaking or whatever it's just the vibes like it's like it started off with music that i I, i'm just not into uh i hated how all of them talked um, I wanted none of them acted like a, like a normal person. Um, and it just was like I, I kept ha- I, like it was grading. 
I, it was unpleasant. I just hated all of the vibes. Um, and then there's something in this, and then the moment I, I texted Jack this, and God, what was it, like midnight, one, one, one a.m. for you? I was about to go to bed. Yes. Yeah, uh, I was still cause... texting you because I, I just <laughs> felt like it. Um, and it, I, and like I texted you like the moment the martini scene happened when they went out for martinis and she's like what would you do to me that scene literally i could like that's the moment where i'm like this movie like it completely sold it to me i was turned head over heels for the vibes it was going for the moment that happened um I still like I I I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that I just unquestionably I was gonna ask you if like there was a something there was a comp to this, but there might be something where I disliked it, but I hated the first half of this. And again, it's preferably just my vibes. Like Mm -hmm. this genre specifically, I told I texted Jack, but like middle class white alternative indie like domestic movies are just my like kryptonite um like i'm like i'm i feel like now i've gotten so rigid in what genres i like especially in the last year it's like thrillers action like western crime that kind of thing like i'm haven't really been watching any like domestic dramas unless it's like for the podcast and it's not like they're bad it's just something i never really like go towards Mm -hmm. um because it's just i don't know it's just not my preference um but yeah this is just one of those movies where i just it was nothing like it i and i think that's also worth something i'd i've never seen anything like it in the sense of how much it turned around for me and also how much i hated the first half that's pretty beautiful yeah, it's like did you like the whole last half or just that part? No, the entire half. Like the entire yeah, last that's half. Great. I that's was great. like I think that and my favorite scene, I won't say now, but that there's another <laughs> moment that I think the movie starts to reveal itself. And I texted you this, but it's like and I didn't want to say like give the movie time because I knew that you would be like that it's a preference like you said you admit that it's a preference thing and that's okay yeah it's not it's not damning it's, of the movie it's, it's nothing against my the movie vibes. right right no exactly right. it's wearing the like twee sundancy indie mm. clothing as a as a disguise because um i think margo has this emotional um guard up when she's trying to communicate with lou like i'm unhappy and i have feelings for daniel and when she's around daniel she turns into this there's a new version of herself that comes out not like another person but just someone that is trying to like act anew with with a partner and trying to discover how it is to form a rapport because yeah it's it's a complicated that it kind of reminds me like the movie um falling in love if you guys heard ever seen um it's with Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep and he Robert De Niro cheats on his wife to because because he falls in love with Meryl Streep but it's not like anything is wrong with his previous marriage but the fact that he's just smitten for Meryl Streep I mean what where have we not 
all been in his position. Um, and <laughs> it's it's the fact that yeah, like the movie just kind of comes comes away with like no one's really the villain here, and it's just like De Niro is sucked into this new relationship because he's not unhappy with his old one, but that it's starting to make him feel these things again with the with the Meryl Streep character. But anyway, it's just a long it's a long way of saying like I like the dynamic between the three of them. Um even in that exchange between Daniel and Lou is like so short lived, but it's like, oh yeah, you just like moved to the neighborhood and it's, and it's just like literally like across the street. Um and like Daniel already knows about like Lou's chicken. Like that's very funny. Um <laughs> And it's like, oh, that's so loaded, like in like 30 seconds. Like, oh, I don't want to make you chicken. <laughs> I feel neutrally about this, but but that it is like so of its time. Uh, mm. Like it is such a deeply 2011 movie. Um, yes. Like down to the clothes and the color saturation mm-hmm. and the kind of like mumblecore-ism of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that what allows for it to break out of that kind of mold in the end is like they they just are not tropey characters um like they're all so extremely strange um and they are kind of storybook-esque to your mom's point Mm -hmm. jack like they do they are really like sketched out as like does it get more vanilla than being with a man who makes chicken cookbooks like that's crazy like that's like ridiculous um falling in love for the uh rich back artist no it's like yeah exactly like that those parts but those I think give it this kind of like vividness to a very like a story that's about how life is just sort of like or can be and will be at moments either have gaps or just be boring bland like there's like a blankness to stretches of life that come because we have to exist that way um and but the characters themselves are extremely vivid and the world they live in is extremely vivid like the color saturation i've said already is just like Mm -hmm. nuts it's like so yellow and it's this kind of like eternal summer feeling where it's like um warm and they're always kind of sweaty or in water and their their bodies are so like lived in uh literally not even like Mm -hmm. in terms of character but like they're just existing um as kind of flesh in in a sexy way or in kind of a dirty way or in kind of just like a day-to-day way um that I find so stunning I just find the balance uh that she strikes between that kind of storybookism and the kind of just grim reality of life being life um it's just beautiful I just love it Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's this like magical quality to the movie and and like both Lou and Margot feel so human. Like you see them in their beds so often and and like there's a lot of physical touch between the two of them, which like mm-hmm. those small details I think would be, you know, not to keep on, I don't want us to just keep on going on about how there's like possibly a worse version of this because I think we all know what that looks like. Um, I think we've all seen she, it. Uh, right, we've all seen it absolutely <laughs> like three, um, four times. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it it's premiered at Sundance, of course. Um, <laughs> and it's um, it's like she makes a smart decision to like keep to to like not um characterize Daniel as much because it's like you need Kirby and Williams to have the amount of chemistry that they have. That's so palpable um yes 
and I think they do and, and he's like just so you know we'll say, we'll say it again he's very smoldering um he like sort of like um like I saw a letterbox review um say it's as if someone tried to draw Sebastian Stan from memory and I think that was very funny <laughs> um but I think that's I think that's tying into yeah. both the kind of what we were talking about when people used to have interesting faces and the idea of charisma that I think is yeah. gone now. It's like Sebastian yeah. Stan is Marvel core six pack uh, jawline. Right, and like, right, right, and, right. And that's fine, but it's sexless. And Luke Kirby Luke is Sebastian Kirby, Stan if he never found Marvel. Yes, but he's got that kind of normal, that yeah. normal guy thing where yeah, like if you yeah. saw him like in every man quality. Yes, or if you saw him at yeah. a bar, you'd point to like to your friend and be like, "That's fucking crazy!" Like that's yeah. nuts, you know? Like like, but you wouldn't necessarily be like, "That's a movie star." But that's the most movie mm. star thing of all is when you've yes. got that kind of yes. normal normal guy energy that I love so much that that translates the screen while still seeming subdued. And I think Luke Kirby totally has that. Yeah, I love that because it's like, of course, that you and I, I read some folks online that are that are perturbed that you know Margot will leave. Lou for Daniel and Lou has no right to be that devastated that he that he clearly loves Margot but it's like you know you because he has this every man sort of like natural likability you 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 get it you kind of get that she's trying to signal to him these wait what's the wait what's the complaint oh just just that um uh Lou did didn't deserve to be that he didn't deserve to be um separated from from our grow up <laughs> grow up yeah okay like, Honestly, well that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 well i That's mean speaking of complaints and growing works. up you guys like okay you know maybe it's too much of a pivot like do we like there was some uh, controversy might too might be too big of a word but like a lot of questions directed at sarah polly about why there was the nude shower scene um, and especially of Sarah Silverman that was questioning it at first. And it's like, it is 30 seconds, like very straight. Wait, there was like a big, like, a, what should you do? Like, like a big talk about it. Yeah. And I, or at least, I don't know, I don't know the phrasing, but it's like, there was just like the interviews that I saw all mentioned, like, and there's a nude scene, like, what's up with that? Like, I don't know. It fits in the movie and it's just like a quick, like conversation and it like transitions you to that i I didn't think anything of it but it's a weird like it's another like grow up i didn't i didn't even know that was a thing because if anything i feel like this movie is not just about um it's it's a movie about sex but it's a movie about bodies to me like like Mm. that like like pheromonal chemistry and like the way your body moves face and like people are sweating visibly all the time i've already mentioned all this so like that shower scene is non-sexual but feels important to that kind of idea of like Margot is like this like living in this body and like understanding things on a kind of like pheromone chemistry level suddenly um that match her personality but are shaking her up and so I feel like things like her showering and her swimming is like key to that I also think that it's a pretty kindly and non-sexual gaze if you're reading sexuality it's like these women like shaving their legs and talking about their marriages in the shower I just I was you just do not see that erotically at all or I didn't like especially because the movie has moments of like such extreme clothed eroticism it's really hard to read that scene and be like this is the objectifying scene or this is the sexual scene I find that pretty nuts in fact like Polly even describes it as as a way to like 
um, respond to the scenes that women's bodies are objectified and that this is oh, beautiful, yeah. a moment where it's like there's all sorts of different body types and it's just like I don't know it's just it's such a strange way to like the consensus that would read that scene when it initially I I love her in this movie uh Silverman oh, uh, she's my favorite yeah she's my favorite performance um she's also I mean, I'm not a big like Daily Show watcher, but I've just seen some clips. She's also killing it on the Daily Show right now. Like, she's really fucking funny. She's the one part of the movie where I'm sold on for the entirety of it. Um, she's very natural. Um, I think she has. I think it's hard for comedians to act like normal people in movies. They usually are like heightened in some way for like you know as the comedic relief or just as like a person. Um, but she is she's still allowed to do her Sarah Silverman isms while also being like a real person. Um, and I find that I found it really like captivating and just, I don't know, like her performance felt the most real to me um, and it felt the most grounded and it felt the most like personal. Um, I'm not, I'm not uh, the other performances are great too. Um, but she, I don't know, she really blew me away in this one. It is, and it's unfortunate that like any like the one like leading role she got was that like Sundance at like a uh, depression movie that no one really liked. I haven't seen it. Um, oh, but, well, I know. Like, I, I know what you're talking about. Hang on. Right. Some with some awards bait that. Yes. You know, was she got with... a Globe nomination. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think she's a really talented actress and I'm, mm-hmm. it's kind of a bummer that she's st- like. Like she's doing like podcasts or whatever and it's just like yeah i just, just you know you wish you would you know i don't know act more and or like do like shit like the daily show instead of just like a fucking podcast leave that to us schlubs sarah let me ask you about sarah silverman um this woman i'm a huge fan as well and she's been on this program we're gonna have her coming in for this this film as well she she uh she's a comedian like mm-hmm. we know her for being zany mm-hmm. In this film, she's playing an alcoholic, a darkly complex character. Um, she does it with aplomb, but how did you know she could do that? She's just so smart, I think, and so funny that it seemed impossible to me that she wouldn't be able to. My um, my casting director is my brother, John Buchan, and he and his partner, Jason Knight, are responsible for, I think, a lot of what um, has gone well for me in terms of the films that I've directed. and and uh, And... Johnny first thought of Sarah for this part and we both just kind of thought there's no you know there's no way someone who's that profound and deep because ultimately yes she's shocking and unbelievable and and I think sometimes the way in which she's shocking can distract from the fact that she's incredibly intelligent and has a very important political project that she's involved in in terms of showing what it looks like to be really racist and really arrogant and really entitled and also feel very, very righteous. And I think that that is, it's important for us to be able to look at and important for us to be able to laugh at and also important for us to notice how it's not so far from how a lot of people behave in North America. So I feel like there's, she just, whenever I've seen her interviewed about what she does, whenever I've seen things she's written, I've just always thought there's somebody there that is up to something with a kind of courage I can't even imagine because she puts herself out there and not everybody gets the joke and she's okay with that. And She, she puts herself out there in this film in, in a couple of different ways. This shower scene thing is getting a lot of attention. Did you know that? 
that a lot of people yeah. a lot of people asking you about that. So there's a shower scene where Sarah Silverman and Michelle Williams appear nude. Uh, I, it's not really that that big a deal, but I guess we expect actresses to perform nude at some point in their career, but not necessarily a female stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. How did you approach her and get her to agree to do that? Um, it was always a scene in the film that you know everyone in that shower scene, whether they be in their twenties or thirties or fifties or sixties, um, was naked and talking, and it was casual and it was head to toe, and there was no looking away from anything, and it wasn't sexual and objectified, but it also wasn't necessarily kindly shot because I mean we're not objectifying people, so we're not shooting them specific body parts and in a sexual way that right. is flattering. We're just looking at these people. Um, and so it was always in the script and then i realized after sarah accepted the role i thought i wonder if actually the stage directions are clear enough and so i kind of asked her about it thinking okay this is she's not going to do this i'm going to have to figure something else out and i just got back an email that said dude i'm all in just be kind (laughs) so it was like kind of an amazingly ballsy thing for her to do because you know she she does have people who don't particularly like or get her comedy and who will write nasty things i'm sure as all actresses are subjected to i mean both michelle and and jennifer padamski who's in the scene as well and sarah silverman and all of the other women they have beautiful beautiful bodies which you know it's pretty hard to find anything wrong with them but People on the internet always find, manage to find something but wrong with also, women's bodies. But so. there's also, uh, as you say, a number of shapes and sizes and ages and uh, in that scene. And it feels like, uh, on the surface at least, uh, um, some sort of commentary on the female body uh, in film. Is that um, true? I think to a certain extent. I think uh, because the f- I wanted there to be a rawness about the film and I wanted to not shy away from nudity in the film since it's so much about sexuality and desire. But I also didn't want to always show women in a sort of sexualized, objectified way. Um, I feel like we've sort of created this weird illicitness around nakedness because it's always shown um, in a sexual context. When in fact, we're we're all naked a lot more than when we're having sex in life. And so it seems weird to me that we never really see that, especially in North American right, films. Right. I think I also, um, it, on some level, there's a response in it to films like About Schmidt, where, you know, when... Kathy Bates gets into the hot tub with Jack Nicholson and she's naked and, you know, Jack Nicholson wants to scream and the whole audience screams and laughs and, you know, a middle-aged woman's body that isn't, you know, really skinny is used as the object of humor. I remember being so totally offended by that scene and thinking, like, how is that funny? Mm. How is that shocking even? Um, So I think I also kind of wanted to show the nakedness of women of lots of different shapes and sizes in a way that was kind of commonplace and normal and and beautiful (laughs) i mean you wouldn't you be talking to all uh comedians and actors who's true but like a lot of comedians suck at acting and she doesn't so that's one of those things if you're just good at comedy sure do a podcast but if you have like actual talent like as an actor i would rather you just be in more shit Oh, that's cool. Not. She's gonna be in Maestro. Oh, that rolls. Sure. Yeah, that's dope. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. yeah, just I and I don't and you know no no offense to her like roles in Marry Me or whatever, but like she obviously has like this this like this um this like untapped potential of being like a great actress. I to me maybe I'm overrating um her talent, but I I think she has like 
mm-hmm. real like natural skills of being like a damaged but real person because i feel like people over like you know like when like she's like the most one of the more realistic alcoholics i've seen portrayed in like a little bit because she's not this you know she isn't being crippled by you know her former alcoholism and it is not just this constant like up you know you know apologizing to everybody profusely or being ashamed and i'm not saying those are things that are obviously are real for alcoholics but it's not their entire personality they have dimensions to them they are still like people they still have jokes that they make they still laugh with others like it's you know so it is like and when she's like drunk at the end, it's not hers like slobbering and, you know, tripping over herself. It's just, and like she's not like slurring or whatever. It's like her being her and just but unfortunately in a really dangerous way. I think I suppose it's easier for Polly to write her being a more authentic version of someone who's struggling because it's the fourth lead and not the central focus because if if it were the central focus then it it may not be as well maintained throughout um she's only billed above toronto which gets fifth billing it's its own character (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it did a great job um what i do love about sarah silverman's character um is that she's so She's a foil to Margot, but mm. uh, she's very fleshed out on her own. Um, and I find it fascinating that they use her alcoholism is she the, the kind of I feel like the crux of the movie is um, that it, it not in a depressing way necessarily, but that life is very long and that we are um, dissatisfaction or searching and desire on its own is part of it. Like yearning and feeling a little bit uh, like you're not in the place you're supposed to be is the being alive part. Um, there's no like satisfying that ultimately. And Margot is kind of this like childlike being that she's trying to kind of like, juvenile is maybe the better word, uh, that she's trying to kind of figure out how to live her life in this like long extension and like marriage is her kind of thing that it's like, how am I going to figure this out? How to like live in this extended, like loving someone forever. Um, and is her name? Ger- what is it? I'm so bad. Geraldine. Name. Geraldine. Thank you. I only have it in front uh, of me. It's okay. okay. <laughs> I should do the same. Her <laughs> life also spans in front of her forever. And she always will have her one ultimate challenge, which is alcoholism. Like that is a mm-hmm. chronic illness. That is a disease. Um, and she even says in the beginning, like, it's inevitable that I'm relapsing. Like, this is forever, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a really, is often not talked about with alcoholism. Uh, and so what I love about that is that, like, in a weird way, Geraldine has this kind of, like, ultimate thing that, like, she has to center her life around. Like, she has to think about that every single day. And Margot has a little bit more of this flexibility in a way that she doesn't have one central disease or one central issue that she's going to kind of have to look at but in a weird way she's less grounded uh like she like in like this kind of not kind of living a comfortable enough life leaves her kind of just scattering outwards all the time so it's like the idea that desire or yearning can come in from any section and it's up to her to decide if she wants to act on it or not and like deal with the consequences or feel a little bit dissatisfied for a bit and then it'll get better kind of naturally on its own accord um is a hard thing to do when you live like relatively comfortably or you don't have kind of a centerpiece to your life that you're always kind of watching out for 
Yes. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. Yes. No, yes. it did. Yeah. yeah. And it's um, it's the fact that she's more critical of herself than Margot is. Yes. Um, the self-awareness. Like, no, there's no, like, there's right, no yeah. outside right. thing yeah. for what there's she no, has. Yeah. Yeah. Because Margot just has no self awareness no no there's no there's no i mean what's great about the movie is like there's no scene that's like she just reveals what what she's feeling that it's like all through action um and it's really just about her trying to fill the space in her heart that um geraldine is aware that's not going to be filled and um lou is such a a, a stable husband already that mm-hmm. yeah she's still unsatisfied and there's a level of uh, a marriage that that you should allow unsatisfaction and um and, and there is something melancholic to to that i think the, the movie taps into well there's no Margot can't exist in any middle ground for whatever reason like she seems mm. to not understand that which is why, why she's so fascinating as a character but everyone's head turns in long-term she's a girl pervert yeah she's a girl pervert and she's scared yeah, that's what yeah she's scared <laughs> she's a little scared it's really you frightening know, you first speak to that. but the idea yeah, that like yeah. i i was briefly attracted to a man on a plane in healthy relationships that's mm-hmm. a given and it's like you don't right. you know like it's like it's like you don't your attraction doesn't suddenly turn off um for other people especially yeah. in long-term relationships so but it's that idea that she feels that and then it's like uh oh, I guess this is real and big, and I have to uproot my life instead of like I just experience sexual desire briefly, mm-hmm. like right. Um, right. But it's that extremeness of her kind of desire and like that she can't sit in the idea of not knowing or of yearning. She kind of has that whole spiel midway through first half, first act, uh, where she talks about the crying baby and how she could like do all the things for the crying baby, but then that wasn't enough. Uh, but at least the baby just got to cry, and Margot's now an adult, and she doesn't get to just kind of flip out. When she doesn't yeah. know what she needs, she has to kind of sit with that. But then she doesn't ever sit. She can't sit with it. Like it drives her insane. Yeah. Or even like her fear of airports where it's like, you know, like Geraldine is always experiencing airports, like, yeah. you know, figuratively. And it's like, she's, she's overcome this fear with these constant relapses. That's only married, made Geraldine stronger. Like I'm sure she's had several incidences um like the one at the end but it's just this is the one that margo happened to be absent for um Mm -hmm. or at least the one in a while that you know um another film that i thought of that we've covered veronica tell me if you've seen this um 45 years the um andrew hay movie another movie that is titled off of a song which is very funny uh or no that plays or sorry that's played that the song that it inspired the movie partially it's plays in the movie anyway at the very end um and, you know and, and you know um and i haven't seen away from her but i know that also talks about a relationship that's that's at the end of its stage and this one's clearly at its at its infancy but in 45 years there's this devastating um news that tom courtney and um um charlotte rampling receive and it's just about this 45 year long marriage that is then trying to reckon with something that was that's that was revealed to them that tom courtney has always kept from charlotte rampling and mm-hmm. it's just yeah yeah no in both movies i think are so 
well observed with how they talk about like like the complexities of of a of a partnership that's that's supposed to support you throughout life and and challenge you you when you're not feeling desired or or loved the same way that you once were um yes it's because like i like for better or for worse it's a it's up to the audience but like lou talking about how he imagined them growing old together maybe that is off-putting to margo but of course that can read to many as as endearing and as he he imagines himself with with margo for a long time um and, and the water from the shower like that's something where it's like you just imagine yourself with one person but then like I don't know. I, I find the idea of that emotional devastation um, at Lou at the very end, like, like really interesting to consider, like, like what, like how Lou is feeling and like what um, led Margot to that decision. Cause like, you know, that could have been so easily prevented, but, but there is this path yeah. where it's like, I see what you mean. I just, I find the complexities here very interesting. Um Rogan is so good in that seat too. Um, he's my he's favorite. So, he's so but, great in this movie. Like, he's so yeah. great. Um, well, I think, you know, not to get into, we can talk about Rogan later, I guess, but like 2011 is such a great year for him. This in 5050. Yeah. Like, that's, oh my that's God, so true. Cool. His yeah. drama. Yeah, right? yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> what I love to kind of to your point is like that Margot can be off put by like both off put and a little bit sad about the idea that he's like, I was going to do this till we were 90 or whatever. Um, is that like for him they're like comfortable enough it seems like in their they're really intimate and comfortable and they're like cool with their they i i think they have like an okay sex life um mm-hmm. we never see they're... them intimate but just uh, never see them i don't i guess not right because they kind of have that weird yeah. fight when they're doing like the baby voice in the kitchen well let me ask you about acting out on that then mm-hmm. because this uh so the story centers on Margot. this is the michelle williams character and her dissatisfaction with some of her, her marriage. And then uh, that's dovetailing with her increasing desire for the boy next door, who's literally the boy next door, played by Luke Kirby. Commitment and infidelity. Uh, tell me about what interests you about that tension creatively. Um, It's funny because I, I, I kind of used the idea of desire, which I think, you know, the majority of the film is about desire and diving into desire and what it feels like and what it looks like and how playful and how joyful it is. Um, and how much of a gap it fills for us um, in terms of just, I think, the general emptiness we feel in our lives at times. Um, And I feel like I used that as a way of talking about something kind of bigger. So um, in a way, the film could have been about anything, but what I wanted to explore was that idea that we do have a gap that we walk around, we do have emptiness that we walk around with, and can we live with that and can we explore it? Or do we need to fill it? Do we need to change our life circumstances constantly to make us feel that we're full? And in as much as that desire can be primal, the subtext mm-hmm. of what you're saying, are you saying monogamy is unnatural, that that we're hardwired to desire someone else, even if we're in a committed relationship? I don't really know the answer to that. I tend to think no. I tend to think that monogamy is kind of natural, but... I certainly think it's not natural for some people I know, and that's to be kind of respected. I don't think we're, I mean, in my experience of my friends, at least, and certainly when I think of my own life, I don't think we're 
good at having relationships generally that aren't monogamous. I haven't seen them work that well generally, especially among heterosexual couples. I think it's like very, very difficult. But when you're exploring this desire in this film, and so so pointedly and poignantly at times, what 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 makes you say that monogamy now? What makes you say is natural? I guess I sort of look at primates, and I think they're generally monogamous. I might be wrong about that, but. Um, I also feel like we keep desiring it and wanting it so much that it seems like it would be. It seems like in most cultures people are monogamous, and that seems to have been the case historically. So, And that's but, not just a cultural convention that's been imposed upon us somehow? Who knows? I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm talking about something I don't understand at all, to be <laughs> honest with you. And I'm talking very confidently about it. But, <laughs> well, you made um, <laughs> a film about the film that deals with but something. I but I certainly think, think it's natural to be attracted to other people. And I also think that that's not something we're prepared for in long-term relationships. And I, I think as soon as we are, we're terrified there's something terribly wrong with the relationship we're in. And I've always really resented that idea that people bring up, you know, well... I guess there must have been something really deficient with my relationship if I was open to being attracted to another person. I don't think that's true at all. I think people are attracted to other people all the time right. and their relationships are are fine or good or even great. I think that that's, you know, something that can happen. It's, you know, whether you act on it or not is another story. The mo the only time it's like they have sex so to speak that even though we don't really see it, but it's like they wake up and they're like Yes. Yes. Okay, and then they just like kind of take off their clothes under the covers and then yes. just like it happens off screen, which seemed very like, I guess we're supposed to have sex now. Like it's, I, I think yeah. their sex life is bad. I think their sex right. life is really bad. Right. So I don't, but I don't think they're unattracted to each other. I don't think she's mm -hmm. disgusted by her no, husband yeah, at all. Com completely. I think it's in a bad um, phase, but that doesn't mean Yeah, it's... exactly. Like a cycle, which is like, yeah. what, what yeah. do they call it? When you're in roommate mode uh, with a long-term partner, where yeah, it's like yeah. we're together for a long time, and it's like suddenly it's like, oops, we've just been, and then it, but it, it's a cycle. But That's for Margo, Lou seems comfortable with the idea of um, that they're like in love, which they are. I do think they are in love, and they're comfortable. And like he sees, they have that game they play where they say how much they love each other, but they choose a really violent act uh, to express how much they love each other. Like they're gonna put each other through a meat grinder and stuff like that. For him, it's a sign of comfortability and like he doesn't have the words for it. And for Margot, it comes from this space of like, she just feels everything so intensely. Um, like she likes the like images of Kyla kind of like violence and intensity that seem to come with the game. Um, because she likes the idea of kind of being like consumed by wants. Uh, but it's kind of like a game in their marriage at this point, I feel, because there's not that kind of like honeymoon phase overcome with each other mm -hmm. uh, kind of obsession. And that reflects in kind of they're both really up for physical touch. But again, he sees it as this kind of like game that they're always all over each other. And for mm -hmm. her, she's like trying to like express something or enact something. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I it's interesting. I kind of have different takes in Go ahead, please. With, with both you guys are saying. I don't, I think their marriage is, the scene that shows to me that there's like some fundamental issues with this marriage mm -hmm. is them on the anniversary and yes. her being so uncomfortable with him not talking. Yes, I will say just because they're in love, I don't think they should be married. Like they're not in a good marriage. Oh, that's okay. I, that's interesting. I, but I do think they love each other. Yeah. I think mm. they love each other. I don't think she is in love with him. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah, I think okay. I think it's one of those things where they love each other as people, but I don't think she loves him as a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. 
I think that like it's like maybe the best friend she's ever had. Right. Um, I think it's like the person she connects to in a lot of like intimate ways. But I don't know if it's physical attraction, but I think it's romantic. I think there is a lack of romantic attraction between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be like a phase or it could be something more. Um, I think it's like there's n- and, and you know, this in like the lesser film would show him as like this, like he's not exciting. And then there's this new exciting guy and she's like, oh man, he's so much, you know, yeah. he makes me feel alive, that kind of thing to be like more simplistic. But there is that lack of engagement they have or at least she has with him the engagement as in like um, psychological and romantic engagement. Um, yeah. She's not. And, and maybe it's the idea that Daniel is so new. And so she's trying to figure him out, which yes. is more of the fun puzzle totally of it. It's like who yeah. you are, but it is one of, I guess, but I think. And Daniel's trying black- to figure her out. right and she's trying to reciprocate and those are the most exciting parts of the relationship and so Mm, totally and that yeah i do think there is this lack of romantic connection that the that the two have with each other um and that and that shows in their lack of sexual chemistry but also their lack of he's comfortable around her she's never comfortable around him that's my that's because I think she's trying so hard to figure out, like, it doesn't feel natural to her. It feels like she wants to be either the good wife or she's trying to make this connection work in a better way. Um, I mean, all like the baby talk stuff and her like hugging him while he's cooking. It's like she's trying to make this work while he just feels like it already works. Mm-hmm. interesting okay i feel like some of i feel like some of that stuff like their kind of like intimacy is her initiating it at least originally with that baby talk stuff and everything because she continues that into her next relationship and it off puts him it's too girl pervert for him but for <laughs> daniel but um like it i don't know i i think it's interesting you know what i really think is interesting though is i think everything you said is probably true about them not necessarily having like a romantic and sexual chemistry anymore and maybe only having it briefly maybe they just really like each other what I love is like in a different story that could be enough for somebody plenty of people mm. retain and are happily in marriages yeah. like I don't know that part fizzled but I'm cool like that's totally. my best friend and it doesn't bother me like it's so character specific which I love yeah. and plenty of people would be like you're married so we're cutting it off and plenty of people would be you know like there would be so many and plenty of husbands would be more perceptive and be like it is so weird that she's always talking to that neighbor um it's like that perfect storm kind of feeling that I love uh, from movies like this, kind of like weird person character studies, where it's like, that's just the way it happened in this. Like mm-hmm. you could lay out these facts and it could go a million different paths. And this is just the one singular path this story went. Yeah, Margo and Daniel could not have sat together on that flight. And then like she could have repaired this this merit. I don't know if actually, if they would have the agency to like go and seek out help to to, to well, fix but, but even like yeah but like it, yeah. a million different ways like it, it like yeah, yeah but exactly. like Lou could yeah. also forgive her and take her right. back like that right. that happens like that like, that's true it's just, that's I just, true like, yeah it takes the exact people that these are for it to pan out the way it did and for it to also not be like a life-ending catastrophe where at the end it's like oh my gosh she might as well die that was terrible like it's like no this was mm-hmm. on a universal level probably meant to happen for some reason or even if it's futile 
it's it's like my big mistake but it's not world ending which i love it's not world ending totally and i i i I think there's a level of like compassion and understanding with lou at the very end that he's like he can see something um that he didn't see before until Mm -hmm. after um margo left him he's now realizing since she left and and once you get to um the geraldine confrontation um Mm -hmm. He's, he's starting to realize some things with, with just the way that Rogan communicates in that performance. Well, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think like that realization of like seeing someone differently, any loved one differently for the first time, like for him, he like finally sees Margot as like someone who like yearns to like a mm. level that's extreme, like it yeah. like, like wants. Um, and in their marriage, it was just like run of the mill, same thing every day, who's going to cook breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it's at odds, but probably in a slightly fascinating way. Too. Yeah. Because both of them forgot how yearning felt. And it was just, yeah, like they, they've ju- they were just in their roommate phase for too long. Um, that, but even that Margo is someone who desires outside of that even. Like who knows true. what else yeah. she wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's also some people who are just never meant to be in a relationship that lasts like for like half of their life or whatever you know what yeah. i mean some yeah. people are just meant to kind of move on eventually the heart wants what um, the heart wants the heart wants what the heart wants like yes there is it's a good chance that maybe she's just not she can't accept that there is like pauses or like you know there are ebbs in relationships or she's just not built for it like and and that's not a judgment call but that's just maybe just how she is as a person Mm -hmm. yeah no I think I honestly think to your point that I think like the fact that it ends the way it does where she's not with anybody is like she the biggest pause and the biggest kind of discomfort part is where we leave her but it's also her most freeing because it's like what do I actually want and what is actually going to be for the next chapter fulfilling for me um well you think she leaves Daniel isn't isn't she done with him by the time she's going to see Lou? No, because at the end it's like her with uh, at the very end it's like her making some baked good, and then she and Daniel like like she hugs Daniel from behind or whatever. But then she's on the scrambler alone. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, well yeah. yeah, that could be. I guess. Oh, you know what? I didn't think of that. Yeah, you I guess video plays just... the radio star. Oh, I it's so good. I such a good I see, Yeah, that could just so... be her trying to find finding herself in a way. Um, yeah, to I like trying to get back yeah. to equilibrium, but that could also just be her showing that she wants to be solo. Mm. But what I love about this movie, though, is that it's it all of that is like sitting in there, but it's also not like good thing she learned her lesson. Like oh, that's what I love about it. It's mm-hmm. just like no, that's just what happened. Like it just. It's not like, oh, evil woman, like neurotic woman. Okay. Throwing, like, yes. I, just, I just love it. Yeah. I hate, I hate to keep comparing this to other movies because I, no, I like fine. this. I love this one perfectly fine. Another one that we've covered that ends up with, with it being like, and look at that. She's perfectly fine. And it's about self-actualization, kind of like how this one is. It's Gloria Bell. Yes. yes. I haven't seen it, but, but that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Where it's just, it's ending on this, this journey of like, I found out who I am and who I want to be, but yet there is this level of un- unknowing 
with her still and and yeah like it's it's also like moving into a new phase of of her life and of course like er, like Margot says that she's 28 I think like going into her 30s like but there could be another Lou or another Daniel that she finds so of we just course yeah don't know well, yeah, and I don't think, right? I don't Toronto's think full she... of them yeah I assume. <laughs> yeah right Toronto men you know what's so weird this is a slight mm. tangent but tell me after going to like a diner I was at a 24-hour diner not dinner after going to the bars and the most Canadian thing happened where I was talking about this movie with my friend and then the waiter was like oh take this waltz I'm so close with Luke and I was like no you're not what the fuck he like had photographic proof which is the most Canadian thing ever because like everyone knows each other and it's everyone (laughs) did I was like oh my fucking god this is crazy anyways sorry I was just seeing that when you said lots. wait how did the movie come up uh, I don't know. I was with my oh, I was with my friends talking about a movie I watched for class. So I guess oh, wow. I, we pulled the waiter in. I don't know. I've been drinking, so who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was to my point that there are a lot of men in Toronto. Luke Kirby is available in Toronto if you talk to the right waiter. So clearly, oh, yeah. you're fine. You're set. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're set. Yeah. So, yeah, so lots. Of Where has he been, by the way? I I, I, don't, I don't know, know. if I've I really seen him, him in much. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's popped um, up in things. He's like a I mean, I don't know if character actor is the right word, but it's, I've de- he's definitely popped up in... Typecast, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Um, um, he, he and Sarah Polly were good friends for a number of right. years, and it's cool right. that she used him as, like... He's yeah, so like, good. You know, this is a good role for, for like, a, for someone that, that I um, admired a long time. I was going to say... Oh, to your point about the self-actualization... And that maybe there's another man in the future. What I do love so, so, so much and that's so important to this movie working is that it's not like, oh, I learned my lesson. I have a bad relationship with sex. Like she doesn't, like she just is figuring something out on like an existential level um, and made kind of a painful choice. But I like that. I feel like nowadays we've got the kind of like millennial woman era of like, I love it. Like I love it, but it tends to be kind of like punishment around working out how sex works for you. Like it's like, you can figure it out or in like desire in general, like you can figure it out sexually, but only through the most painful routes. Like I'm thinking of like Fleabag and like every single mm-hmm. female Sally Rooney character and like very normal people. Like, and that's just like what they're doing. Like, like it's like a, the, the punishment is kind of brought in with the kind of self-discovery. And in this one, I feel like it's like the lesson is like maybe the mistakes you make have higher stakes as you get older and you hurt people more. Um, but it's not like, oh, you foolish, evil woman. Like now you'll be normal. Like don't have a desire again. Like you've, you've been adequately kind of like cast away or whatever the usual kind of punishments for uh, like sexual indiscretion for women are cinematically. It just it kind of just lets things be. Uh, and it's like, yeah, you, you affected people and you probably made the not best choice and not best plan of action. Um, but it's not devastating which I appreciate yeah. for a movie that's trying to explore something so ephemeral, like, like sexual desire. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of what Geraldine says to her at the end? Cause that's the scene of the movie to me. That's when I'm it's like, so Oh, good. I officially yeah, it's, it's like, like this movie, but also, yeah. but like, not, not to like, just say, what do you think of it quality wise, but cause it's interesting. We're talking about the ending and how the movie doesn't really scold her or anything. And she's not like, depicted as like the bad guy but i mean geraldine's speech is like that's some real heavy shit leveled at someone yeah well i have i actually have my favorite part of that scene written down in my notes because i like it so much and it's that she says some things you do in life they stick and it's not like 
you ruined everything or like you like you're about no i thought that it's was like, what um seth rogan says to her oh is that what he says yes oh shoot you're right you're right because because she's like do you ever think about like basically she kind of insinuates you ever think about getting back together again oh okay that's my bad then anyways then i love that part so i'm gonna all stick it's a great line (laughs) i love love the part because it shows the permanency without the the permanency of like the decision you made without the permanency necessarily of like the the devastation and guilt and shame like that doesn't have to last forever but like the consequences are going to be the consequences and you can Mm -hmm. move on Anyway, so then never mind. Go ahead with the Geraldine scene. I'm trying to remember. That's when she. What someone mentioned it earlier. Something she said then. Well, basically, she says that sometimes that's just how life is. There's this like, yes. and I'm not. There's this ebb, like you know, like sometimes it is just. It is what it is, and that you're be- like basically saying what you did was impulsive and also mm. childlike. Basically saying, mm-hmm. "I'm not the asshole. I'm not the one making you know childish decisions. You are. You're the one who who basically blew up their life on a whim, without really thinking of the cost." Mm-hmm. I mean, also a lot of this is just her saying this because, um, like she feels hurt by them not staying connected but it's also just like i don't know i think there's some real truth in it this idea of like indulging in your desires and where that leads yeah because it's not as much the acting on the desires as the way she did it right like technically mm-hmm. there there's not it's not fun for anyone but there's not technically anything wrong with being like i've chosen this to be with someone else and let's get a divorce before i do anything Again, though, I think this movie's line of like doing something with someone is really shaky. Like, yeah, it's pretty erotic from I mean, literally like first interaction. The like scene at the, when they're at the cafe, like, right when when I mean, Sarah Polly was asked in this interview about if that scene, if that if she considers that cheating, if mm. if your partner knew that someone else spoke to your partner that way the way that daniel does is that is that infidelity and 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 that's and that's she was she was giving this very sophisticated answer that i'll remember once we're done but it was it was to the effect of like it 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 depends on the person and what they and what they consider i think that's true yeah and I don't think there's a concrete way of reading that. Like they were never, in, I mean, it feels as though they're intimate, but they were never intimate while Lou and Margot were together. And that's so smart of the movie um, that I, I, you know, I kind of express your, your hesitancy with the, with the, with the way that, you know, Margot is characterized and, and, you know, like the, communication but I like that they have this form of communication that's so distinct between Margot and Daniel and it's very different from Margot and Lou and um yeah well and I think too to the point of kind of is it cheating it depends on the person that I think because Lou is such a by the book husband in so many ways mm-hmm. um she with feels chicken cacciatore with yeah. his chicken cacciatore uh <laughs> and his little t-shirts uh that she feels the urge to mention she's married once they like a line has already been crossed enough in her mind maybe not Daniel's mind maybe he flirts people all the time and doesn't really think about it but she has to be like oh I'm married by the way and they haven't mm. technically done anything they met at that parks thing and they chatted mm. on the they plane. share a cab right 
and I think like, but it's that important turn in that moment where she's like, oh, we're like, I'm actually married. We probably shouldn't hang out or, or whatever it is, is like, she's so wholesome before that. Like she's shy about lashing the guy at the parks and she orders milk on the plane as like a almost 30 year old Which woman. Which no one comments like, on. Whoa. He makes a joke about it, but only to say like tomato juice is normal. But I like, I'm yes, like, that's yeah. if someone ordered milk yeah. next to me on the plane, I'd be like, what is like, are you okay? Like, what? yeah, what, are you getting a cat? Yeah, yeah. Like, like what happened to you? Is today? it for your kid? Um, like, yeah, yeah. Something, <laughs> something's off. I, um, but, but like, she, there's this wholesomeness to her. And that's that shift mm-hmm. there. She's like showing, she's partially setting a boundary, but she's really showing her hand to mm-hmm. be like, I considered this to be something. Mm hmm. And like, we'll leave it at that, which she obviously doesn't, but yes, it's that like really shaky line. And then we get to that amazing scene where they're talking in the cafe over martinis. Um, it's like that pushing by the time there's that crazy good montage at the end, that huge swooping circular oh, shot of all that. their different it's kind so of well, it is and, crazy. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. It's but of so all crazy. Kind of sexual experimentation and kind of like ticking things off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time cool. you get there it doesn't even feel that uh overwhelming because like yeah you feel like you've seen it all like they've laid themselves bare so just like the physical act means less and less get out of their system year i think like about a year passes so mm-hmm. yeah it shows a year yeah. in their life yeah yeah, yeah. well I'll take this waltz place you know yeah. yes i know i know it's so good is talking about sex with someone other than your partner an act of infidelity I think it's a really good question. I know a lot of people who have had um, relationships that are not acted upon sexually, but have a lot of sexual tension in them. And because they're not acted on physically, they feel they haven't been cheating. And I think there's something to that, to the restraint involved in that. And I also think that it's also a question of if your partner could see you in that circumstance, how would they feel about it? So I don't know what defines what infidelity is exactly, but um, but like, what would you think? It's, it's funny because uh, I was talking to a friend who at, after with a press screening and we saw it and, and she said, um, well, well, he's cheating on, she's cheating on uh, Seth Rogen when she's with the guy. And, and, and I said, well, she hadn't cheated with him yet. Mm-hmm. And we had this, mm-hmm. this disagreement because I didn't think that talking was necessarily mm-hmm. cheating. What do you think? I don't know. I'm kind of torn, I think. Um, I think that I would think if my partner was having that kind of conversation with someone, I would feel they were cheating on me. But if I'm to look at more objectively, I think actually, given how attracted she is to him in that morning, she's showing a great deal of restraint and loyalty to her husband. So I think you could look at it both ways. This Michelle Williams character is, she's she may be dissatisfied with her marriage, but she's dissatisfied with herself mm-hmm. too. She also seems to want to reinvent who she is in some way. Do you think someone uncomfortable with who they are might find it more difficult to be faithful in a monogamous relationship? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that falling in love and falling in lust offers us is this amazing opportunity to reinvent ourselves and to see ourselves through someone else's eyes. And I sometimes feel that kind of intoxicating rush of the beginning of a relationship is also a process of being able to love yourself again for the first time. Um, and I think attached to that is a kind of illusion that you're going to be able to leave yourself behind and all the stuff you didn't like about yourself will be kind of washed away by the gaze of your new lover who sees only the good things in you. And I think in a strange way, that's where 
not all boredom in relationships, but a lot of relationships that have a kind of ennui in them. I think I think that's where it comes from is this terrible deflating sense of arriving in the same room of, as yourself again <laughs> and having to spend time with yourself and feeling like somehow your lover and your being in love failed you in taking you away from yourself and all the things that you really don't like very much about yourself, which I think, you know, we all have and mm -hmm. we all carry. It's interesting. I'm trying to search to kind of elaborate on why I hated so much of the first half of it. I also think it is because I hate these type of people. Um, I, I hate uh, this like <laughs> postmodern hipster douchebag. Yeah, um, yeah. I live with them. They're all around me in the good old Portland, Oregon. Yeah. They're yeah, everywhere. Um, I, I can't escape them. Um, but yeah, it's that's. I think that's probably and that like yeah, the quirkiness of it all is just really like it just it's it's just really grating. Um, but I think but that is and and now thinking about it, it is like a part of the movie, like in the sense of that these people are almost stereotypes until they become something more yeah. challenging um they challenge your notions of relationships and commitment and like how good of how what how good does a relationship have to be mm. what is the barometer what is right. the okay this is a great relationship what does that even mean what does that look like um and how could you possibly know if you haven't like, you know, it's like if you're on your first marriage, how could you possibly know what a good marriage looks like? Um, obviously, yeah. there's, you know, obviously there's extremes. Obviously, you're like, you can, I think people can tell what a bad marriage looks like, but how do you know what a good marriage looks like? And that discovery and that constant questioning and wondering. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, it's, yeah, it's just really crazy how much of a flip I had on this one. I always know a movie gets to you when you tell me it does. Cause I try to be low key about my feelings until the pod. But when you like come to me about your feelings as you watch it, I know that like, it's, it's I, like the, like the moment it began. Um, I just, oof, I don't know. I like, I was so like whatever music was playing. I'm like, Oh, I hate this kind of music. Um, and like, I hate this kind of, it just, it was, it was rough. It was rough, but I. Well, I, what's so but... interesting is that, like, there's, yeah, like there's there's a time that the, I don't know, like the hipster stereotype then sheds off of Margot, and and she's behaving in this way with Daniel, that's sort of like a younger version of herself, maybe. Um, that's sort of like mm. this, like in the scene when she like you know calls him like a like a gay lord like like it's that kind of like oh this is like a teenage version of yourself i hated, like, I hated well, that scene like well, i that's, hate her that's, in that scene i know that's the no, point. no 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 that that's what i that's just, I, I know i know i know i know it's just like that's my interpretation where it's like then like but then you get to lou and he is such like a he i mean it's still rogan and he and you still get these like bits of his uh, mannerisms right, right, right and you still get these bits of his mannerisms but they're so well placed it's similar what spielberg does in the Fablements, where it's like he's so well used in fact he was like the one who Polly cast first and like wrote lou for rogan which is so cool and 
Was um, he really? Yeah, isn't that cool? Um, based on based then, on what? Like, what made I, her like? I think I she just him. loves Rogan, and I think she cited funny as head. an inspiration, um, which makes perfect sense because he does amazing work in funny people. Um, I think, and what was I gonna? Yeah, and the fact that like Lou and Daniel and how they interact with Margot are so different lends to. I think Margot's characterization in the beginning. I don't know. I like how it went, even though I hated the first half. I like how this is like going in the sense of my constant struggles and pondering about the movie. The needle drops didn't help you. <laughs> of course, like that's the big. No, I think they started getting better in the last half, uh, surprisingly, but it just was. Oof, yeah. Yeah. Do we want to talk about like Michelle or Seth in the 2010s? Like, cause, cause certainly like, like Michelle Williams is definitely like the best, one of the best actresses of this generation. Um, she's so good. She's so she's good. So like, good. like, yeah, just unreal. And this is a performance where it just kind of reminds you of that. Um, because it's a tough ask for this role oh it's like i can't think of anyone else who can do this at this age like i think she's just really earnest with it uh and it would Mm -hmm. be really try and play this role a little bit irony pilled i think she's also she is such a great reader of tone uh for every single Mm. one of so good at giving herself to what the movie is trying to accomplish instead of how she needs to look um and i she plays really similar parts over and over and over again so mm-hmm. different like she is so so consistently this sort of yeah. like dissatisfied women um like kind of seeking an out and then being disappointed with the out um <laughs> like that like that kind of like like um shadows of that are like all the way back to Brokeback Mountain Blue mm-hmm. Valley Fableman's she just goes and goes and goes but they're so yeah. different time. It, it does not feel like oh this again like she yeah, just, no, it's so it's so interesting. She's so good. Yeah. So perfectly. I love her so much. Um and, and actually it's funny they bring Blue Valentine because in a few weeks we'll have Jahan Bosfia back to cover that one. And I'm that's so a year before this. Mm-hmm. And like it's a completely different like interpretation of this character who's like dissatisfied in a I mean, you know, different shapes of a movie and you know, yes. tone and everything. But it's like, but, like her characters run themselves like, all over. Yeah, there's yeah. like a version of it where it's like you could feel like samey and redundant. Yes. Um, and especially like her collaborations with Kelly Reichardt just like bring out different versions of her each time. And I'm sure showing up, which is coming out soon, like will mm-hmm. be another like completely mm-hmm. astonishing revelation. Um yeah, and you know, it's like it's interesting going through her filmography again. Like she doesn't work that much, but when she does, it's like she's usually the lead, which I or, or at least like it. a big part yeah. of the movie, and absolutely crushes. And of course, like a big like um, I find it interesting that's like a big representation of any actor's year is like she has this and My Week with Marilyn in the same year, where it's like okay, you're like you're like like your well-made like indie play and then like your Oscar play right it's just like it's it's like that's yes. like, such a prime yeah. example like, totally uh which like the movie that is like has like a cultural footprint and then the one that doesn't <laughs> but 
the one that's like super um, under the radar. I still feel like Pigs of Salt <laughs> under the radar. Yeah, I know. Seriously, not like impossible um, access, but it just is like not as big as it should be. I feel like. Yes, and then my week of marijuana is like, oh right, that's another one of her. <laughs> that movie exists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I I think it looks like Kate Blanchett is winning for playing another uh biopic real life performance but i mean i wish that michelle williams was was winning oh, no um, i feel like going for lead so actor good. is kind of a yeah. big swing i feel like oh, supporting yeah, it would absolutely be uh, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah i know like they called their shot like a while ago like before like campaigning started and everything but it's like yeah uh, I, I she's look she's both lead and support whatever but it's yeah. uh it's complicated i think she's a lead but there are many leads in that movie it's just you know whatever um i know that movie's just a movie of leads i know i know yeah i love that movie yeah um and then seth rogan this decade like such an interesting look because he gets again like i think this is a decade that he acted less about ebbs and flows yeah like started to be taken more seriously as a dramatic act yeah um but then there's like these pauses that are really bizarre like the what is it the night is it the night before that the christmas movie he did yes long shot like i'm looking right now he he had kind of that chunk like 2013 2014 of like really seth rogany type stuff i feel like like the interview the interview neighbors this is the (laughs) like in the midst of that he was doing some sausage party yeah iconic work I haven't and then that. he never like he never fully works as a serious actor as in like he never it's never like it's not a jonah hill moment really mm. besides maybe the fablemans which i have not seen um but like there's him and, and steve jobs which he's good yeah. in but it's not yeah. it's nowhere near the level of what hill does in other like and like other work like it's never like wolf of wall street i see what you mean seth rogan and steve jobs doesn't have like the like the screen time or the role like jonah hill has in moneyball where it's like sort of like a quiet performance but also he also just like he's not i don't think he's a second lead which is also like why he doesn't pop because it's like Winslet is the second lead of Steve Jobs. Where, but all, I also just think yeah. his performance is just it's it's good. It's like good. It's fine. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I just I I, I don't know what. I don't think he's reached his potential yet as a dramatic actor. I think he has more in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't know. I I, I don't know where he's really going because right now I think he'll just he's just like makes pottery and smokes weed and does voices for the boys or whatever. Like that's yeah. or not the boys, um, invincible, um, oh. but uh, that's like that's his role now. He like produces a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. writes and stuff. Um, but obviously he's still acting. I just don't. I, I guess I'm very curious what his plan is because I also mm-hmm. don't think there's a great how much like with studio comedies where they are currently. Like Long Shot was a bomb. Like. What's his what's his place in all of that now? Does he have in does he even have a place in like comedic roles anymore unless it's like television? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm curious where it goes, but it is like he has like he is at a fork in the road where yeah. he he can do a lot of different stuff, but he has but like 
I don't know. It's not, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think we're going to see the in and out like we did in the later, like mid 2000s of like all sure. a serious role or like some, some semi-serious, like 50, 50 is like a comedy, but it's still, like, you know, it's a little more serious. Like he's going to like go in and out mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. We're not like, going to get like he, a, he, right. We're not going to get an, an absorb, an observant report or a Zach and Mary make a porno. Cause it's like those, those movies don't go to theaters and just don't yeah um because yeah because i because it's like long shot was um the last like big comedy um and, and of course like i guess like if if we want to like mistake that for being a failure i guess it's like coming on the midst of endgame didn't help the movie but also it's like maybe people just wouldn't seek it out if it weren't for that um he was in did either of you see pam and tommy the craig Glepsy show about yeah. speaking of Sebastian yeah Stan. right right oh that's true um and he was on he, that he had a supporting role and yeah, that's a movie he, where it's like definitely he produced i think i think so i wouldn't be that yeah. yeah that's i mean that sounds yeah that sounds right um and that's definitely like a prime example of something where it's like that could so easily be a movie and that's like why is that a tv show but yeah interesting career interesting decade um i i do you know it's like i and now he's like gonna be in super mario brothers it looks like um whatever that is right he's just gonna do voice acting now like mm-hmm. that's just like he's just gonna mm-hmm. like i mean i guess he's been doing that but mm-hmm. that's just like he's gonna either do that or get or, or do a role he's actually interested in like i don't think yeah. he's i don't think he's gonna take I, I think he's going to be a little more selective of his jobs nowadays. With mm-hmm. his, like, Definitely. I don't think he's just going to choose everything, um, which good and for him. But yeah, he's got, he's gone to a very comfortable place in his career, which is cool. It's just like, you would want to see him like working more. Cause I, I just love him as a screen presence. And it's not like take the swaltz is like the one shining moment of the decade. Like, you know, he has good stuff like Steve jobs and neighbors and, um, 50 50 i like but and and also like the lion king that one's pretty good no i'm just kidding <laughs> hmm. but uh yeah i know it looks it looks real speaking of john favreau <laughs> i said this these animals look so real now they look like do you guys animals. think about how barry jenkins's next movie is going to be a lion king prequel you ever think about that is that real yeah. well I d- I'm not going to think about that. I'm actively erasing that from my brain. I'm the th- funny thing is, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it being bad because I can't imagine him making something that's bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, it's clearly like something to just like propel him to something that's actually going to be like. But see, we know, don't like know a- that. I I don't know that. Like, it just I I I don't. And I'm not saying everyone everyone says this, but it's like this weird assumption. And it makes sense. I'm not saying it's not like it doesn't make logical sense, but maybe he just really wants to do this. I don't know. Like I I, I think we gotta start. Well, both can be true. I mean, you're saying so wait, you're saying he well, it sounded like you were saying he's taking the job to propel him further rather than maybe this could be something he's interested in. Yeah, both. Yeah. I mean, like, he can be interested in it, but then, like, he can adapt, like, another, like, novel into, like, something, I guess, because it's, like, I think he's gonna, like, find, like, an avenue into, like, talking about, like, 
you know, longing and in self-discovery and like the th things that he's interested in talking about, like James Laxton's going to photograph it beautifully. And like, there's going to be a Bertel squirrel. I, I think he's going to like find his company if like not, not I don't know, like it's, I think that's going to be at least decent, if not good, you know, it's, it's just like everything he's made besides, in my opinion, um, oh, what's his Wyatt Cenac movie? Uh, the first one. Uh, medicine for melancholy i like that movie yeah i i like i think it's fine um but everything else he's done is like some of the best art like made in the last 20 years like so it's one yeah. of those things where it's like yeah, i don't i don't know why i got onto this but it was it was, but it's just it's just i i just I, think about, i i thought about that recently like that's his next thing and i just don't know what like how that how how's the world gonna react to that because it's just a very right. bizarre I mean, I guess it's similar to Zhao doing Eternals, but I don't know. Well, isn't oh shoot, who who made Minari? Um, oh, I don't know, I forgot. Shoot, um, yeah, Lee Isaac Chung. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's making a se sequel to um, uh, shoot, what is it? The um, Twister. The, that's not the, true what yeah i yeah the bill paxton movie yeah well that's kind of fun actually i kind of like that that's actually kind of cool. yeah well you Why know I, I guess, well i guess it's you know it's just the like the cycle you know it's like the right right it's the guarantors i guess um yeah it's strange do we want to get to favorite scene yeah let's get to favorite scene yeah. unless uh, uh veronica is there anything else you want to mention before we get to favorite scene no I'll take this waltz no, I'm good. I have my scene. If go do it. Oh, it's the mart. It's the martini scene. Like them having martinis and them and him just talking about how he would, uh, for lack of a better word, devour her. <laughs> um, I want to know what you do to me. I just kissed the top of your head, ever so gently. You did? Yes. And then I kissed your eyelids, and they fluttered underneath my lips just a little. A little. And very, very slowly, I just graced your lips with mine. But because you're married, I didn't dare kiss them. No. Instead, I worked my way slowly down your neck, and I kissed every inch of it. And I lingered over your birthmark on your left shoulder. Yeah, that one. And I smelled you. I really inhaled and I smelled you. 
Smelled like you do. The way you smelled on the plane. The way you smell right now. A mixture of sweetness and fuck. Hmm. And I kissed your breasts. Mm. And I licked your nipples. And I stayed there for about an hour. gentle at first but I found out how they worked and you weren't all that interested in me being gentle and then I thought to myself I need to find out how she works how every part of her works and I spent about a week and a half with your body and I began to learn it and know it. Every detail of it. And I played with you before I entered you. Before I spread your legs and fucked you fucked you harder than I wanted to. But I couldn't help myself. And I pulled your hair gently while I rocked inside you. I fucked your mouth and every part of you until we were so intensely fevered that we couldn't see straight anymore. And I filled you with my cum. And I told you again and again, I love you. I love you. I love how funny it is. And I, I love that that ending of them just laughing. Because it's like what he's saying is absurd. Um, like, you know, I'll take a week to know your body and like I will like, you know, I'll lick your like I will like I think lick your nipples for an hour or something like that. It's like real like it's like objectively hilarious, but also like very hot. Um it's it that's when like the whole quirkiness and isms of the whole movie kind of clicked in for me where it's like they are like real people in a way but still like I don't know like they their weirdness and their like oddness kind of just made more sense to me like it kind of felt like okay like these people are just odd ducks it's I, at first I was for me it was like is this 
how Polly is portraying the world. Like everyone is like, no one can be a normal person. Like everyone talks in a, like a very bizarre way, but it was like, okay, they're just like, these people are just weird and they're trying to be weird together. And I, I, I really enjoyed that. That was and Also, I think Kirby's performance also just clicked for me too in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was great in the beginning, but it was, I don't know. There were certain like him on the plane was a little weird. And in the sense of like, how aggressive he was um and it just I guess I was just not really ready for this movie's like personality and that's what really threw me off the whole thing yeah that's my yeah yeah yeah, I I mean the movie's personality surprised me in in a way that I was just you know I don't want to discredit like your hesitation I just it just surprised me and kept me intrigued um I cannot compare this to another film and I love that in the same way that I can't quite compare women talking to another film. Um, very singular voice. And uh, yeah, I, I, um, I think that someone else has um, stories we tell in, in their short list, which I hope to cover one day. Um, Veronica, would you like to? Do you yeah, I, I've been thinking about my favorite scene for this for days. I'm, I'm struggling, <laughs> but I actually think I'm going to go with when they ride the scrambler together. Mm. Uh, oh, that's a perfect scene. Shit, I should have chosen that. It's really so good. good. I, there's so much. Both of their I, faces. Uh, that's the entire movie. I heard you on the wireless back in 52. Lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. I I remember just having like visceral goosebumps the first time I watched Mm -hmm. it like it is so there's so much happening so it's this kind of like childish decision on their part they they the inclusion of showing every step of a spontaneous trip 
like they're kind of like they go to the ferry and they're like on the ferry together and like the time it takes to commit to spontaneity and that's that kind of cheating line of like oh we went and rode the scrambler together it's like that's a four-hour excursion like like <laughs> that's crazy to commit i know to and could you imagine your partner telling you that they took another person we went like to, to like yeah we went to disneyland and we went on thunder mountain you'd be like that's <laughs> wild that's like six hours <laughs> um you know, like that's yeah. the that's like planning thing. yeah 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 so but like they decided to do it on a whim yeah. but there's this kind of like awkward space to it of like yeah. oh i guess we're doing this um and then they're on it and there's that like the the ride and like the world around them is like literally pushing them together gravitationally like it is like this like visualization of the chemistry pull while video killed the radio star is playing which is like that title in and of itself it like put yeah into of like that something looks like, like this man looks like he's going to like decimate what I understood <laughs> and what's supposed to be logically and conventionally appealing to me mm-hmm. is out the window now. Like, I just want this guy. And that kind of pushing and pulling and eventually kind of crashing against each other willingly is just like the most insane visual storytelling ever, ever, ever. And I also personally just love that ride. So a few things on the scrambler scene, like Sarah probably it, who um, gave like a quick like a like her like your thoughts on the movie now like as she was promoting women talking and she was like I was uh um chaperoning a second grade class and we went on the scrambler again like this was much later and it was like fun to see like the kids' reactions um when she has like such a fondness for for that for that ride now um yeah and she got the idea of like seeing what a story would like would look like if like two people were having like a nonverbal moment when when the ride was going on. It's like to see that idea of of like what would happen if if like someone was in their own world uh, while everyone else is is just like being thrown around everywhere is like so interesting. Um, and yeah, like video kills the radio star. Like that's a song that has like sections too. I also just think like this this pivot point of like when they realize maybe they don't love each other but they want each other like they they're willing to commit to wanting each other yeah. not flirtation um and that feeling often happens it feels so important to you but often 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 happens in the most ridiculous places like out a house party or a shitty dive bar or on a like carnival ride or like is there something about the like they're in a kind of special place but not that special to be like starting to be like dedicating time and energy to how can we actually be together and then they go back to the romantic things that they're going to kiss in like what was like 20 years or something yeah like they're um, sort of like trapped somewhere yeah yeah so that like in between fate thing uh that i think the actual scene like visually embodies so perfectly yeah for sure um i'll i also love the this isn't my pick i just want to say the full scene kills me it's so good it's so fucking funny i like i love that scene because it makes it it, like it gives margot context to like it makes like she's a whole person who is struggling with this idea everywhere including at aerobics it's not just like she's horny it's like she has this like untetheredness yeah that she's she's so self-aware of like what the hell am i doing at my swim aerobics (laughs) class with my sister-in-law like it's just like life is ridiculous to her yeah when it when it when it's sort of like the the swimming aerobics class even gives Geraldine some sense of purpose when it's just all sort of like ridiculous and sort of theatrical to her like kick him in the face like like 
like there's a grown-ups joke in that scene and it just like plays <laughs> so yeah. like so naturally and, and and i don't know um like like the instructor shouting out like like irene how was your surgery it's so oh it's so it kills me um I, my favorite scene of the movie um um margo um admitting to lou how hard it is to seduce you Oof, um that's a heartbreaker it's cacciatore writing a chapter on cacciatore i gotta make a whole lot of cacciatore i put in the hot peppers this time what do you think it'll be like with hot peppers Okay, could you uh look I don't wanna I don't wanna splatter tomato sauce all over the place, just thanks. Okay, seriously. Where are you going? What? Do you know it takes courage to do that? To do what? To seduce you? It takes all my courage and you're teaching me to be completely and utterly without bravery. It takes courage to seduce your husband. Yes. And it takes all the courage in the world. Well, that's ridiculous. Is it? Well, then why do you always prove that I was right? When I feel like I'm taking a great risk, you consistently prove to me that I was right and that it was a greater risk than I could manage. What the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? I'm just making chicken. You're always making chicken. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, because it's and this was what I was talking about earlier. Um, because yeah, because it's it's in that moment when you, I think when you start to see what she's been saying without saying it, um, why the vibes are weird in that marriage. Um, she's going through something that I I don't think she knew how to articulate. Um. It's I, I don't yeah and that's like sort of like the glass shatters like you guys know the the 
the rule from how it met your mother like you know the glass shatters and it's like the x starts you know um yeah no, no i don't actually it's, 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 it's i don't cute. know what you're oh, oh, wait, oh okay, you, okay okay wait okay okay um i've seen that so, show and yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah, what you're talking yeah, oh, about oh, oh, okay yeah it's uh if someone starts to do like if someone chews their food really loudly and it's like oh i don't like that aspect of that person then it's like the glass like a glass oh, shattering yeah, 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 yeah. effect i remember that okay yeah, yeah, yeah happens yeah, yeah. and then barney goes on to yeah no i remember make some remember. weird comments yeah. about limit yeah um yeah, that's it's just it's just very well realized and um also I love their home. Like the production design is is great. Um would like to move there. Yeah, I want their apartment. I would love to live there or his apartment and their house. I, I would love to live there if it wasn't winter for seven months. Yes. If Toronto can be like how warm and inviting the movie feels for as yeah, long as it does. To be that summertime yeah. that you can get me to leave. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely do you, did you recognize yeah we're about to wrap up but did you recognize like any of the ge- geography like oh yeah totally oh, throughout yeah, yeah. oh that's yeah so i lived there till i was seven and i went back every summer and then i went to college there so I, yeah totally it's like oh that's so cool neighborhood. yeah 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 um no that I, I would love to like see like yeah, because it feels it feels like uh, definitely like someone who's who knows that area, and it's cool that it's not like a non-Toronto make filmmaker trying to yeah, well, set their movie the there. Yes, because because like, Polly was Polly was talking about how it's like Toronto never plays itself in uh, in movies, but yes, uh, like, yeah. it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so cool. Um, Veronica, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was oh my gosh, lovely to have you. Yeah. so much fun thank you so much for having yeah. me please come back um where can everybody find you online where can they find um, your work my twitter can you promote is, yes my twitter is at v nikki v-n-i-c-k-y-y um i'm taking a little break right now but um i promote stuff there when i'm published um i'm staffed at film days so most of my like uh festival reviews and run-of-the-mill stuff is there and then my freelance stuff i post all to my twitter and my portfolio um, I think that's everything. Fabulous. Um, prof- can I you can... explain? Can, wait, wait, I have a question. Can you explain your profile picture on Twitter? I find it hilarious. Where where you got oh, the inspiration hot, hot from? Hot midlife crisis, Lois. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, like, what, I mean, that's what, enough. What, that's enough it? inspo if I ever heard some. <laughs> I guess what was like you finally deciding? Yeah, that's it. That's that's my picture. Okay, so I love literally all those photos of like any meme photo of Lois. I'm really called to the one where she's like a hot mess in like the the slit, uh, the black yeah. cigarette. I thought about that one. There's something about midlife crisis Lois though that I just really understand her. I don't know more than hot mess Lois and more than little kid. Lo- you know that little photo like little kid Lois. I like her too. Um, I don't know. There's something about her. I like her pink boots a lot. Um, I like she gets that really bad back tattoo um you just like the freedom that she that that comes yeah, with maybe, her I guess yeah I just like her vibe I guess I like her outfit I feel like I dress okay. like that a little bit um and she's honestly I'll say it again she's kind of a girl pervert so maybe yeah. oh there you go it all connects all roads lead to girls I, I, have love to it. Tell, I have to tell my group chat that I started using that out in the public sphere <laughs> This How's is that the group chat. Out? Yeah, I know. No, I, I'm keeping like an eye out now where it's like, okay, who's like close adjacent to Margot and Lois? 
that I can also <laughs> like, like girlfriend's just a state yeah. of mind it's just like yeah they're like, they're like kind of like horny but then they're like off-putting with it you know where you're like well, yeah why'd you do it like that you know <laughs> yeah like, oh, we, we could have just talked about this yeah. yeah yeah they don't even know how they're horny they just are yeah. it's, it just is yeah, it's yeah it just is yeah. exactly. um what was I gonna say uh and, and while we're and I'll, I'll get to my stuff in a second but like while we're on the topic of Sarah Polly like also like speaking this into existence because I feel like it's it's bound to happen with the women talking ensemble and the jackass forever ensemble to have like a brunch or something because my beloved Boston like film film critic society like gave them both best ensemble from last year and when is this gonna take place we just we're unsure um because you know you can see the you know the the chemistry is just I just it, yeah. that, that's a what fun is, that's a fun I just uh, like the thought of everyone having to force conversation at that brunch I know I know so yes like, yes yes uh, <laughs> yeah like it's just it's just like like, like, pauses, like so you act like so, can you imagine Bruni Mara and Steve-O like trying to the thing is I can it would be fine <laughs> they'd have a great yeah. time <laughs> I know they would yeah that's a dream like smoke circle <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Dave England and uh Francis yeah. just chat <laughs> yeah Oh my gosh, yeah. Knoxville and Jesse Buckley, they would have so much to get along with. Oh, um, so much, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can find, you can find my work at the Boston Hassle. Uh, I am Jack A. Draper on Twitter and Jack Draper 7 on uh, Letterboxd. Um, and this movie is available in so many places. I like how highly available it is. It's like on Tubi, on Canopy, on HBO I saw, which is so cool yeah i, I wonder that, what the distribution rights oh, for this one is because it's on everything magnolia has it um but mm. uh i think like stories we tell went away from her are also like widely available too and by the time this is out women talking is certainly <laughs> available places and uh next episode it's uh a double bill once again with the resident evil movies it's resident evil afterlife or sorry Resident Evil, the final chapter, we had a conversation about this, and Resident Evil Retribution with my friend from the Boston National, Josh Polanski. God, I can't wait. Those movies fucking rule. Um, <laughs> everyone follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on in uh, Letterboxd. Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. Follow about the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can send us an email at exiting2010s at gmail.com. You can send us a question, uh, suggestions of uh, what guests we should have on, that kind of thing. Um, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars five stars on any plat- podcast platform you listen to us on to. For some reason, I'm getting my words jumbled right now. Um, be good to yourselves. Be safe. Oh, if you're ever in Toronto, always, you can suggest this to Well, yeah, I was like, just going to say. That'd be drive, fitting. To drive to Toronto. Suggest um call someone a canadian slur i don't know what canadian slurs are but maybe a canuck in a do not uh, don't meaning manner no slurs um, i have to hoser in. perfect all right go run up and call <laughs> no. someone a hoser um throw um some uh, loonies and toonies at them um and what's if the... you call anyone knuck- a knucklehead i think that's crossing some sort of line I mean, Tim I... Hortons, get a box of Tim Hortons and throw, then just continually throw them at the person and then say, hey, go listen to Exiting Through the 2010s and then run away. Yeah. Um, that's my suggestion. Yeah. And as always, we'll catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.